Hi, this is Dave Spray, and I just finished another great interview on the IC Disc Show. Uh, the interview today uh, was with Chris Hanslick, uh, the chairman of uh, a mid-sized law firm in Houston called Boyer & Miller. And they have a really different uh, approach to practicing law. They view themselves as entrepreneurs whose service just happens to be uh, law. And uh, they do some interesting things. They have an interesting perspective. Uh, they spend a lot of time on culture, which I don't hear from law firms uh, every day. And uh, in addition, he talks about how uh, taking a page out of Southwest Airlines playbook, that their focus is primarily on their employees, and then they let their employees take care of their customers, as opposed to trying to make the focus primarily on the customer. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this wide-ranging uh, interview with Chris Hanslick. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, David. How are you? Hey, I am great. Thank you for uh, joining me today on the IC Disc Show. Well, I appreciate you having me, and uh, glad to be here. That is uh, that is great. Well, let's uh, let's get started. We are uh, we are live. Um, let me just uh, uh, set up the audience to help just tell them a little bit about your background. So, Chris Hanslick is an attorney, and he currently serves as chairman. Uh, at the law firm of Boyer and Miller here in Houston. Chris received his bachelor's in business administration from Southern Methodist University in Dallas. And then he received his law degree from South Texas College of Law here in Houston. So with that, let's get started. So uh, so welcome to the show. And I've really been looking forward to uh, to having you on the show uh, I served on a board with your founding partner, Bill Boyer, about 15 years ago is how I first came to know the firm. Always been a big fan of it, and we've shared some clients through the years. So uh, so first off, thank you for uh, for you and Bill and the whole team there at Boyer & Miller uh, being such a great resource for us and our clients. Well, it's our pleasure. We, we've certainly enjoyed the relationship that we've had with you and the, the clients we've shared over the years. So uh, being a, being able to have this opportunity to be on your show uh, means a lot and, and look forward to continuing our mutual kind of working relationship going forward. That sounds great. So um, how old were you when you first considered becoming an attorney? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I've I believe it was probably the first thoughts of that were in high school, but I know for certain it was about this time of year uh, in January between my fall and spring semester in, at SMU in college where the plan kind of hatched in my brain that I was going to major in business as an undergraduate, but then go to law school. And I went okay. to my counselor and kind of rejiggered my coursework for that. And that's what I did. Was that your freshman year or sophomore year? It was my it was my freshman year after, uh, in all honesty, after pre-med biology kind of kicked my rear end in the fall. <laughs> I decided I would, you know, the medical field was not going to be for me. And, and I really enjoyed some of the classes I took in economics and business and, uh, and you know, had this kind of. Uh, infatuation with with the law that kind of had started through uh, my uncle uh, Larry Wadler, and uh, that's where I kind of decided this is what I think I want to do. And so far, it's been a pretty good decision. Yeah, it uh, it would uh, it would seem like it. So you'd mentioned your your uncle was a uh, was an influence on your your choice. What else attracted you to the law? Yeah, I think it was the it start started really first and foremost watching his practice. So my uncle practiced in a small town near Houston called Wharton, Texas, and uh, practiced for over 50 years there. Just recently retiring a few years ago, served as a judge for a period of time. And I remember in the summers when I go visit my grandmother, I'd go up to his office some. And as I got older, he would he would talk to me more about what he did, you know, as a lawyer. And what struck me, I think, first and foremost, was the opportunity to help people. Uh, 
being a small town lawyer, he kind of did a little bit of everything. But I think that's what really stuck in my brain is it was an opportunity to have, I guess, an education where then you go out and you're able to help people with issues uh, that they can't necessarily help themselves with. And so that started it. And then as I got more into it, obviously the challenge of, you know, digesting the case law and, and, the, and figuring out the nuances that make one case better for you and your client versus uh, another case that either hurts you or how do you distinguish it away from your situation. So that challenge uh, really uh, in, kind of inspired me. Okay. Well, and it's kind of ironic because from what I know about your practice and some of the other attorneys at Boyer and Miller, uh, it shares elements with your your uncle's practice, right? I mean, you're a a a resource and a sounding board, and you're basically uh, you know just you know helping your clients navigate uh, any number of uh, of business and legal matters, right? Yeah, I think that's a, a fair characterization. I, you know, we. We try to bring meaning. I think there's attorneys out there, and, and historically, you may have seen a law firm advertised as attorneys and counselors at law. And we really try to bring definition and meaning to both of those words. And, and really, that counselor uh, word when we work with our clients, because it, it's not just about drafting a piece of paper or filing a lawsuit or answering a lawsuit. It, it's about Gaining a deeper understanding of the client's business, how can you be an extension of their their office and be a, a partner with them as they try to grow their business, accomplish the goals they've set for their business and themselves, and really marry that up so that, you know, you're, again, you're just kind of an extension of their team. And, and we find that when we can approach the way we deal with our clients in that way, uh, everyone benefits. And it, and it really goes to our mission statement of providing counsel beyond expectation, building lasting relationships, and making a meaningful difference in people's lives. And that's really our focus in everything we do. How can we accomplish those three things when we are asked by a client to do something for them? That is a very uh, clear description of how you approach your uh, your work. I uh, appreciate that clarity. We think it's important, David, for any business uh, to have clarity about purpose. And for us, you know, purpose is, is kind of your mission statement. Why do you exist? And, and one of the things that, that I always tell people is we don't view ourselves as a law firm. We view ourselves as a business that provides legal service. And, and for us, there's a, the difference in that is we approach things like a business should approach things and, and how a good successful business might attack, you know, what it wants to do in the world. And that's why it starts with what's your purpose, right? As an organization, what is your purpose? And, and we have spent time to get clarity on that. Uh, we check in on that mission throughout the year. We, uh, reward or praise behavior or critique behavior about uh, whether it meets or doesn't meet our mission. Because uh, we have to hold ourselves accountable. That's our kind of our stake in the ground. And everyone up here at Boyer Miller, from our receptionist all the way to me and our co-founders, Bill and Gary, are accountable to achieving our mission every day. That is that is great. Um, so what year did you join Boyer Miller? I joined in uh, 2004. Okay. And what year uh, were you pr uh, elected to the chairmanship? I became, uh, I guess it was announced that I was going to be chairman at the end of 2008. And Bill Boyer and I did a two-year transition kind of succession where I then took over January 1st of 2011 as the chairman of the firm. Uh, okay. And what's uh, what's been the uh, what's been the what comes to mind that's been the best part about being uh, chairman? I think the the best kind of most fulfilling part is uh, the obligation 
that that I feel to deliver every day to our people here and to our clients, but but really to our employees here at the firm that I'm doing the best I can to provide each of them an opportunity to be successful, however they define success. And I don't take that lightly um, because everyone, everyone wants to be good at what they do. And if the organization you're in is not providing you those opportunities, you're going to look somewhere else. And so the challenge that I kind of have as chairman, at least the one I take on, is to make sure that people feel valued, that they feel like they have an opportunity for growth and advancement. And if we can do those things right, David, then our clients benefit because we have engaged, happy employees who are passionate about what they do. And if they're here at Boyer Miller, that means they're passionate about that mission statement I described. And they, they will carry that over to how they serve our clients and then our clients benefit. So for me, it really starts here internally at Boyer Miller, making sure we're doing the right things to have the best workforce we can. You know, that reminds that that is great. And it reminds me of something I heard Herb Kelleher say on a podcast, the founder of Southwest Airlines, that was always his philosophy is not that the uh, customers come first, the employees come first. And then if you take care of the employees, they in turn will take care of, of your customers and clients. Uh, <clears throat> that I, I've heard that from him. And I, again, I'm not smart enough to come up with some of these things on my own. So, <laughs> you know, I, I do a lot of reading and try to learn from some of the best in the business across the world. And, and then, you know, figure out how can we apply that to what we do here. So Herb Keller's one, Jack Welch is one, uh, Jim Collins, you know, there's, there's lots of uh, people out there that have been successful entrepreneurs that, you, you know, if you study that, you, you have the benefit of their knowledge and you try to, you know, pick and choose what can work for you. But we, we definitely believe it starts internally. And, and we say our mission statement applies both internally and externally because we want to be great counselors to one another. We want to build lasting relationships with one another here. And we want to make a meaningful difference in the lives of the people that are employed at Boyer Miller. So again, if we can do that right, uh, we believe our clients benefit in the end. No, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I can, uh, I can appreciate that. And I also can appreciate the satisfaction that you derive from uh, from building a culture that that uh, really encourages uh, your your colleagues to be uh, you know to be the best they can be and and try to remove obstacles in the way of them being able to do a good job. So um, you talked uh, about your mission statement, and we talked a little bit about uh, you know kind of culture and philosophy at the firm. Uh, but I'd like to drill down a little more into that. How how would you say that translates into what makes your firm different than other other firms? Like, what would your clients tell you that makes you all uh, different than than other firms? Yeah, it kind of varies based on the client experience, but but ultimately. You know, one of the things we talk about here is what we do being being lawyers is not necessarily unique because there's I think the number is over 15,000 licensed attorneys in the greater Houston area. Um, but how we do it can be different. And it, it goes back to mission and culture, as you described. So I would hope that our clients would say that it's the interaction with the lawyers at Boyer Miller that 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 I feel like they actually care about my business. They take time to ask questions that aren't necessarily legal in nature, but to get to know our company better and how they can provide value to help us solve our business challenges. That, that the lawyers at Boyer Miller are responsive, that they understand our needs, they respond in a timely fashion, and we feel like that they take our business concerns and challenges on as if they're their own. And I think, mm -hmm. I think if you can, if we can deliver on that, I think it sets us apart uh, in providing great legal service 
at an incredible value to our client. And you know, we do surveys uh, with our clients. And, and uh, last year, this time last year, we did a, a kind of a, a fuller effort in uh, getting feedback from clients and how we were living true to our mission and, and our culture. And the feedback was, was, I'm proud to report, very, very positive. Uh, you know, one of the challenges, right, is you, you, you think you're delivering on your mission and values, but unless you ask the person you're delivering those services to what they think, then you don't know. And, and so it was nice to hear mm-hmm. that what we thought we were delivering was, in fact, being delivered uh, and the feedback we got from clients. And, and so you learn from that and you learn where what you do well and how you, and, and that you should keep doing that and getting better at it. But you also learn you know, what you're not doing well, where you need to improve and or maybe something that is not necessarily a value that maybe you should stop doing. And so you know, there, there's always a learning. Um, and I, you know, I tell our people here, we can, we can certainly learn from our failures and those are going to happen, but we can also learn from our successes because sometimes, you know, you, you may achieve a, a good result, but maybe not because you did your best work, but, uh, and, and where's the learning in that? So we're always trying to, to kind of learn from, what we did, review what happened, be critical uh, about our performance, and then commit to, to getting better. No, that uh, that's that 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 makes a lot of sense, and that's and and I know that's really gratifying when you you think you're delivering a service that is valued, and then to actually hear that confirmation from your clients i know from my own experience that's very uh very gratifying and satisfying isn't it yeah absolutely and and we took it a step further because once we got the feedback from the clients we realized that what we, what we don't want to be you know we, so what it the survey told us you have really happy clients and they and they value the services you're providing that was awesome but then it occurred to me that if we're not delivering the same experience to our people internally, then we kind of look like a Jekyll and Hyde. And so, you know, what's the way we kind of started the survey process was what is it like to experience Boyer Miller, however you experience us. And so we turned that survey after we did the client survey internal and asked our people at all levels, what is it like to experience Boyer Miller? Uh, Because we want, we wanted the, we want the experience to be the same, that if we have really mm-hmm. good clients that are satisfied and feel that they're getting good value, as I mentioned before, we, we definitely want our employees to feel the same. And uh, again, that that resulted in good feedback. Uh, we're de- we were delivering internally like we hoped. We certainly learned from some things that we could do better. Uh, and we went to work on that and started looking at some of the feedback we got internally to see, okay, you know, what can we learn and what things can we start doing internally uh, to make to make this firm uh, as good as it can be? And I'll give you a, a, an easy example out of that is we never had a until last year, we never had a formal work remote policy at this firm. But the, okay. the internal the internal feedback from our employee survey, we learned that would be valuable to uh, our people. So we implemented one. Now, I know we're not the first company in in America to implement a work remote policy. But by listening to our people, we got there and that was appreciated. So we would have we may we may have gotten there eventually at some point, but we would not have gotten there as soon as we did without asking. Sure, that 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 makes that makes a lot of sense because you don't know uh, if you don't ask, you're just kind of guessing on what what matters. So. So that kind of takes me to my next uh, topic I wanted to to touch on, which is my understanding is that for a lot of your clients, um, both your clients specifically and the firms in general, that you all serve in a lot of ways like an outsourced general counsel. Uh, Is is that right? And and what does that what does that look like? Sure. No, that is that is accurate. it starts with, you know, a a good percentage of our client base are entrepreneurs, privately held companies. 
those companies can be from startup size to close to a billion dollars in revenue. Uh, but the founders are still in there every day, driving that business forward. It's, you know, their life's work, et cetera. And where we come into play in that kind of outsourced general counsel role, uh, as you described, and, I, and I've used that term as well, is given the full service uh, of our firm, we're able to be the legal resource for a, a privately held company that doesn't have an in-house lawyer with the relationships we've developed. They know they can pick up the phone. They're not going to get nickeled and dimed on things, but we, we bring this breadth of service because we practice in really every industry uh, that's out there. And I use the term we're industry agnostic. Uh, we, we obviously do a lot of uh, energy related work for clients being here in Houston, but you know, the, the industries we serve go from technology, industry, real estate, private equity, healthcare. So we, when you do that, you see a lot of different things that even though, it, for example, maybe in the healthcare space, might be relevant to an energy company in some way, uh, in, in, in some issue they're dealing with, whatever that may be. And then we have the depth of a team behind, you know, behind us to provide responsive, quick service to help that business owner, whether it's an employee issue or a vendor issue that, you know, could be a potential dispute, or it's something they're looking to acquire and, and making, trying to make a strategic decision about do they do that acquisition or not. We can uh, be that resource uh, for that C-suite owner. And then we have some clients that grow to where they might hire a general counsel, but it's just a, a law department of one. And then we, we help serve as a, uh, a kind of a counterpart to the general counsel and provide that kind of back office support for the ongoing kind of daily legal needs that the company may have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I, I've seen firsthand how uh, how valuable that role can be because you know there's a couple problems with trying to have that in-house attorney, right? One is that you know it may not be cost effective for the company to have a full-time you know in-house person when they don't really have a full-time amount of work to do, and the other problem is how um, how talented of a person could they actually hire? if they're going to be the sole kind of department and they're going to be not real busy, uh, it's, it's not a great career path really is it versus somebody who's serving, uh, you know, is that de facto general counsel role, uh, for, you know, half dozen or a dozen different companies, they are able to get the variety and other professional challenge and still make it, uh, you know, cost effective to the client. Right. Yeah, I think that's right. I think, you know, what we see probably more times than not, it's the cost issue and, and, and whether the client says, does it really justify bringing someone onto our payroll, uh, full-time benefits, et cetera, versus buying it by the hour from Boyer Miller when we, and knowing we're going to need it, know, knowing that each year they budget and then they can look back historically and we know we spend about X in legal but does it make sense from a cost perspective to, to move that? And, and would we really move all of those costs into the person we hired? I think I see that being the issue more, more times than not. And that, you know, on the, on the, I think the skill set of who they, a, a company might uh, hire as general counsel somewhat depends on the industry, right? They, they may then say, sure. you know, we really, this particular issue seems to come up more times than not. Maybe we bring someone in, that really understands that and we can bring that in-house, but then we'll still outsource the other things. So we've seen it kind of, you know, in both of those domains, I think, uh, with, with various clients. Yeah, no, I can, I can see that. So um, when you think about some of your favorite clients that you work with, uh, what would you say are some of the characteristics or, or maybe more importantly, the mindsets that those founders and owners have that that make them particularly attractive to you as a client or uh, makes for a really good fit with the firm? Uh, 
I've got a couple, you know, I guess thoughts on that. I, I'm going to start with saying, uh, and this may be too generic, so I'll try to bring some definition to it. But I would I would start that answer by saying the characteristic of an entrepreneur. Uh, very general, but it's that can-do attitude uh, that you see in these, uh, you know, kind of business owner entrepreneurs that aren't scared to take risk, have an idea, see a path forward. Maybe it's a, you know, a, a, an area of the world that just they view as not being served or not being served well enough, and they've got an idea how to attack it. And, you know, they just, they kind of live and breathe it and they grow a business from it. Uh, they're creative about it. Uh, they, you know, they take full ownership of, you know, making it happen or not and trying to make a difference in the world. And so those are some of the characteristics. I, when I think about, you know, our client base and, and, and what maybe transcends all of our entrepreneurial type clients that run these privately held businesses is just this passion uh, about some idea they had or, 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 or some difference they think they can make uh, and then going for it mm-hmm. and let, letting us enjoy the journey with them. Right. Yeah. And I, I know that from conversations with Bill through the years, one of his messages that he, that I hear repeatedly, just like you touched on at the start of the show is that, he doesn't view himself as uh, an attorney. He views himself as a fellow entrepreneur who just happens to practice law. And, and it seems like that mindset by you all makes it easier for you all to relate to the challenges that that uh, particular client may be having. I, that's absolutely right. I, I tell people all the time, I, you know, I'm really an entrepreneur, but but I pursue my entrepreneurship through the practice of law. I mean, I, I you know, we run a business, we have a PNL. Uh, we, we do a budget each year. Uh, we have a strategic plan and strategic teams that meet uh, on a regular basis to pursue different strategic initiatives that we believe are necessary for this company to be successful over whatever particular horizon we've decided. Uh, usually it's kind of a two year horizon and we reset strategy. And so, you know, when we, when we are talking to clients or prospective clients, I think we're at our best when we don't sound like lawyers, when we're asking them about their business and, and what their concerns are, where they see opportunity. Uh, because what's important is to understand their business and you're not going to do that by talking. You do that by listening and asking questions. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, then we can figure out based on what they think their challenges are, where they see opportunity. If there's an intersection with services we provide, then we might be able to have a relationship with that particular business owner and they become a client. And you know, if all goes well, a happy client and a long-term client. But it, it, for us, it really starts with, you know, we're out here running a business, a small business with, you know, 50 employees and uh, providing for, you know, I guess you know, for all those families. And we take take a lot of pride in that. There's a lot of obligation because, you know, success isn't guaranteed and the business isn't guaranteed to come in the door unless you're out there really, you know, thinking thoughtfully about what it's going to take uh, to put yourself in position to be successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I agree completely. Well, since this is the IC Disc show, we probably should talk a little bit about IC Disc. Um, so, I you know, although we've served uh, clients together who have IC Discs, uh, my sense is that IC Disc uh, is not necessarily a primary focus of your firm, uh, like it is, for example, with Neil Block from. Uh, an attorney who was on one of our earlier podcasts who really is hyper-focused on the IC disc. Is that, is that accurate? Is that not necessarily a primary focus of your firm because it is such a niche? That is accurate. Uh, you know, I, we don't hold ourselves out as kind of having that specialty. I think uh, the way I would describe it is, you know, we are more focused on general corporate M&A, corporate finance, 
as it relates to that. And, and I think having worked with you over the years, we can understand the issue and spot it, but we, we bring in the specialists like yourself uh, to help our clients with that or evaluate whether it's something they can take advantage of or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, we are certainly not a, not a specialist, nor, nor will we hold ourselves out as such in that field. Yeah, no, I, I understand. And, and um, how do you decide what uh, practices to really focus on and which ones to be more of a generalist on and pull in specific expertise? What, uh, what drives that decision? Because I know as the firm has grown, there have been more practice areas that you all have developed, you know, more of an expertise around. Yeah. So our, we kind of strategically made decision to focus on certain areas and, and they are, they're fairly general. There can be some specialties within that, but it's corporate, corporate M&A and corporate finance, real estate, employment law, and litigation. And litigation is, you know, business and commercial litigation. It's employment litigation. It's real estate related litigation. And uh, January of 2019, we added probate litigation. So okay, probate litigation you know, is, a, is a new one for us. But if you look at the others I described from the corporate work, M&A, finance, real estate, employment and litigation, 90 to 95% of the legal issues a business faces fall within those camps. And mm-hmm. when, you, when you think back to what we talked about previously about being that outsourced general counsel, et cetera, for a company, we can bring to bear the skills and expertise needed to cover the breadth of that. Now, mm-hmm. sometimes there, there may be a, what I refer to as a super specialty that you know, maybe an issue that pops up. So for an example, in an M&A transaction, there's going to be a tax issue. Well, we partner with a really a couple of really good tax lawyers in Houston to work with us on that. And our client just, we, we buy their time by the hour, but we don't have that specialty in-house. Uh, it could be uh, a, maybe a very specialized a IP issue. So a client wants to uh, pursue patenting a technology. We work with a couple really good IP boutique firms here in town to pursue that patent for the client uh, or the trademark or whatever it may be. So that's really how we manage uh, those situations. We're always involved. So we don't, we introduce the client and kind of manage the process. Uh, but we don't mark up the, that third party's time or anything that our client gets the benefit of our network in that situation is we've worked to develop a, you know, a good network with some of those boutiques and then they don't do what we do. So when one of their clients might have a corporate issue or real estate issue, uh, they'll send them our way. And it works as a, a nice kind of uh, balanced uh, referral uh, mm-hmm. system in the end. Uh, and we, we've certainly, we've seen that work uh very well for us. It's certainly, you know, everyone has their own system, but that's a system that, that is our system and it has worked really well in what is now our 30th year as a firm. Uh, we, we are celebrating 30 years uh, in 2020. And by the way, congratulations on that. That's uh, it's amazing how fast the time, the time goes by. It seems like just not that long ago. Uh, I remember when Bill and Gary started the firm and, uh, it, uh, the time goes by. So I'd like what I'd like to talk about next is uh, is maybe like a real life example of of a company that you've worked with for a long period of time. I mean, there's there's uh, there's one that I'm familiar with that recently uh, did an exit uh, that that uh, a client that we share. But it doesn't have to be that one. It could be just another client where you all have worked or you've worked with the client for, you know, some period of time, 10, 15, maybe 20 years, and maybe just kind of give the story uh, and an example of where maybe you were involved, maybe from the founding of the business all the way through an exit or or just something where you can give kind of a, a real life example 
and some of the things you did along the way uh, to be of value to that client. Can can you think of a, a does a client come to mind that that uh, that we could talk about? I mean, obviously anonymously. Sure, absolutely. Uh, I've I've, I've got one I, I I think would fit all the things you asked about. Uh, so this this particular client is in the hospitality industry. Uh, they it's a twelve plus thirteen probably thirteen plus year relationship, and they came to us initially with kind of a potential landlord dispute. Uh, we helped them with that, and the relationship grew from there. And they were they were two locations, and but they had dreams of growing. And and I, I kind of just one of those things you just remember vividly, even though it happened a long time ago, because because the relationship has developed to be so strong. And that was one of the kind of I think a pivotal moment. Even the client has referred to uh, as being. Uh, meaningful in the growth of their company. And what happened, they came in for uh, a meeting uh, with uh, Bill Boyer and I, and they had they had a plan they wanted to execute on how to grow the company, uh, multiple locations, multiple cities, et cetera. And we listened, and I think where the real value was created, uh, at least and I say that, I say I think what I've heard the clients say, where the real value was created for them in that meeting was we didn't just blindly listen to their plan and say, great, we'll go paper this for you. Good luck. Drawing on our prior experience, we started asking questions about the plan, namely with, you know, what were their real goals and what was their purpose in, in, you know, pursuing this plan? Where did they want to end up? And as the conversation unfolded, the client kind of just through that kind of dialogue determined on their own that the plan they came with that day wasn't going to accomplish their goals, in fact. And the the meeting ended after an hour, hour and a half, and uh, they said, we have some more thinking to do. And they came back like three months later with a new plan, and we had conversation about that. And it was a it was a good plan. And we then ex- helped them execute that plan to grow uh, as they as they dream to grow. And that company is is thriving and doing well. Uh, and along the way, we have been able to do corporate work for them as they brought in some investors or clean up their corporate documents and their structure. We've done real estate work as they've done new leases on, on new locations and or renegotiated with landlords or had potential lease disputes. We've done employment related work for them because again, in the hospitality industry, there's always employment issues uh, and we've helped them navigate those. Uh, and we've done other commercial litigation where they've uh, gotten involved in, in you know, uh, other disputes. And so it's a really good example of, I think, delivering on our mission and values you know, making a difference for a client, developing that long-term relationship, uh, and being able to use every aspect of the firm in doing so. So it, it's uh, we have many others. That's not the only one, but we asked the question. That one came immediately to mind, uh, and I'm proud to say they're not they're not the only one that I could give uh, a story about. That is that is awesome. That's. Uh... I know that's that's really what I love most about what what I do is serving the clients, being a resource, and uh, and being able to uh, marvel at the entrepreneurial vision and um, and capabilities that these uh, entrepreneur clients exhibit is just uh, it's really a blast because I I have this courtside seat, if you will, of these really successful entrepreneurs. Uh, doing their craft and it's uh, it's really a lot of fun isn't it it, it is i mean you know I, i'm sure you'll agree i mean being that close to the action if you will with those uh, entrepreneurs it 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 serves as inspiration for me and then what i bring back to the firm trying to do for our business um, mm-hmm. and you know knowing that you know seeing the risk they've taken uh 
the enjoyment and fulfillment they get out of uh, pursuing their dreams. And then, you know, it inspires me to say I can do the same or should, should try to do the same here with our people. And so uh, I think it, with some of my better clients, uh, they're no longer just clients, they're friends. And, uh, and they serve as you know, a resource that when we get together, we can talk about what's going on in our respective businesses and learn from each other. And, you know, that's why I do what I do. I mean, there, mm-hmm. that, the, the relationships you, that I've been fortunate to make, uh, you know, in this, in this career of mine so far, have made everything worthwhile. And it's really why I do what I do. It's about the people. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I completely agree. So, um, you know, we've talked about this, having this courtside seat. What are some of the biggest mistakes you see entrepreneurial companies make when it comes to legal matters? You know, David, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me in that question is going too cheap on legal in the beginning that mm-hmm. starting a new company rightfully concerned about expenses, trying to get the company off the ground. Uh, so there you have know, probably when they, obviously when they started, they don't have any revenue. So everything's just money going out the door that some unfortunately make what I believe to be a mistake to think, well, I can save on legal because I can go on a website and pull down a form or do something. And so I think not getting a good legal team engaged sooner rather than later, because what happens is uh, usually those entrepreneurs aren't just the only, there's not just one person, right? It's a couple, uh, three, four, maybe get together to form a company. If if those initial documents aren't set up right, it can cause problems down the road and, and the legal spend, if you, if you were to spend the money up front to kind of think through some of the issues that could come up later, uh, if you don't do that, it ends up costing 10 X when things go wrong and the documents don't say what you thought they said or don't provide for a certain situation. Now we can't necessarily, we, well, I know this, we, we absolutely cannot predict the future. So we can't necessarily draft, the agreement to cover all scenarios, but you know, we can think through most of them. And unfortunately, we've seen time and time again, on the beginning, three or four people get together, arms locked, ready to conquer the world with their new business. And at some point down the road, one or more get sideways and there's a dispute. And that's when you really want those documents uh, to have been well written and well thought out. It's also important and early on, you know, you're going to be contracting for your services with other parties that you have, you know, a, a document that protects you. And so I think it's that investing in the right legal services up front and thinking of it as an investment in your business as opposed to an expense uh, is the mindset I would encourage entrepreneurs and business owners to think about investment versus expense. That is, uh, that is great, great advice. Um, I guess as we're, uh, we're kind of nearing the end of our time together, um, what are, what are some, uh, misconceptions that you think people have about either law firms in, in general or your firm in particular, or, misconceptions that are that are perhaps true about the broader industry but are not necessarily true about your firm so what what comes to mind when i talk about misconceptions that uh, folks may have well uh <laughs> you know we're always dealing with the being the the kind of the brunt of the lawyer jokes right so uh yeah, there, you know, C, there are no CPA jokes out there or you know, it's for some reason it's just lawyer jokes. So I think from a macro standpoint, the industry, you know, there is uh, some cynicism or skepticism about lawyers in general. So we, we certainly deal with that. I, I certainly would hope, you know, based on um, some of the things we've talked about previously uh, today, that the way we go about our business, our firm has dispelled those misconceptions as it relates to 
working with Boyer Miller. Generally, uh, you know, I do think there's a, a misperception, and it kind of goes to the last question you and I discussed here, is that some people think that they, they either can't afford good legal service or legal service at all, uh, or they don't need it. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, that's another kind of misconception that um, it, one, if you're starting a business, you do, I believe, need some good legal counsel to get it uh, off the ground right for reasons I, I previously discussed. And I think you can, I think a, a starting business can afford it again from the mindset of it's an investment. Um, and you should take time to meet more than one lawyer and figure out what drives the person you're going to hire because you're forming a relationship with that person and make sure that, you know, do they really have the skill and expertise that you need? Uh, you know, some of that dovetails into some people are, are scared off by a lawyer's hourly rate. Well, sometimes, you know, someone that may charge a little bit higher hourly rate than the other person you interviewed, they may be able to do it more efficiently and more effectively. Right. So I would say a misperception is sometimes the consumer of legal service gets caught up on the rate versus what is the value delivered. So, you know, someone may charge a couple hundred dollars less, but they may spend five more hours and you end up spending the same or more and maybe not getting as good a thing as you a product as you would have gotten with the person with a little bit higher rate. Mm hmm. So at the end yeah, of the I've day, I think it's, yeah, at the end of the day, I think it's about delivering value to the client and the client feeling like they got something of value in return. Yep, I can I can under, I I agree. Well, I tell you what, why don't I see if I can summarize and recap our conversation? We we've covered a lot of stuff. I've made some notes here. Uh <clears throat> And so please, uh, please confirm or, or correct. I would say my biggest takeaway from our our conversation today is that you and your colleagues are really entrepreneurs who uh, who scratch their entrepreneurial itch, if you will, through serving clients uh, as it relates primarily to their legal matters, but also another types of counseling. Um, you guys uh, put a, your, your primary focus is on your, your employees and your colleagues with the idea that if you're, you know, that Southwest approach, if your your team is happy, then they'll go take good care of your clients. Um, you have a, <clears throat> a passion and enthusiasm for serving uh, entrepreneurial clients and uh, to try to be a a long-term resource and have more of a relationship focus than a, uh, than a one-time transactional focus. And you, uh, you really enjoy what you do. Did that uh, summarize it accurately? I think so. The only thing I might add somewhere kind of, I think it fits between, you know, entrepreneurs in the legal industry and focusing on our people and passion is that we're, you know, we're committed to our mission and values that of the firm, which, but I think that's an overarching view. And I think the four points you uh, summarize are kind of details under that. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for, uh, for, uh, for clarifying that. So if, uh, if an entrepreneur is listening to, to this podcast and he thinks, Hey, uh, Chris and these folks at Boyer Miller sound like someone I should, uh, I should talk to. Uh, what's your process. If somebody is interested in exploring a relationship with you all, uh, how does the, the process work? How would you suggest people reach out to you? Uh, do they get a do they get a bill starting at the at the the first minute of the first call? How, how do you guys uh, how do you guys work in that way? And so they don't get a bill in the first minute of the first call. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's make that out there really clear because I know people were if they were listening, then that may be something they were interested in, in knowing. Uh, you know, it, it does. It starts with with some outreach uh, to someone at our firm. So sometimes it's an email. Uh, a lot of times it's a phone call. 
Uh, obviously, uh, you know, people find us through our website at BoyerMiller.com, and it's B-O-Y-A-R-M-I-L-L-E-R.com. Um, and it's a conversation about what it is, why they're seeking legal service. Uh, it's usually a conversation on the phone. I always try to set up an in-person meeting so we can go further uh, to hear the issues explain how we work, and then the client decides whether they want to retain us or not. And they'll sign an engagement letter if they decide to, and then and then we start doing the work. Uh, I tell clients all the time, we only do work that you ask us to do. So, you know, we're not going to do anything you don't ask us to do. Uh, so, you sign the engagement, and we, we move forward on a particular project, and and then, yes, invoices follow from there, et cetera, for work that's performed, and, and uh, we expect payment. But... Uh, yeah, but they, they, I think the best way to find us, uh, if you're not familiar with us, is to go to our website and you'll find uh, my bio as well as every other lawyer here. And there's contact information, direct line, email, et cetera. Um, and we do a lot through LinkedIn as well. Uh, we're, we're both on our website and LinkedIn. We have a, a, a firm page. You know, we're continually updating the content uh, on those two sites with information that we believe business owners might find useful. And uh, so people can learn more about us, certainly on our website about who we are, what we do and how to contact us. Well, that, that sounds great. Well, I, uh, like I said, we've had a, I've enjoyed the relationship with the firm and I would uh, encourage any entrepreneur, especially a, a Texas based company who, um, uh, who has an interest in exploring the relationship to reach out to you or, or one of your colleagues. Well, thank you again for, for being on the show, Chris. I really appreciate it. Well, it was my pleasure. I really appreciate the opportunity. And uh, as I've said before, we, we at Boyer Miller definitely value the relationship we have with you and look forward to that continuing uh, in 2020 and beyond. That sounds great. Hey, you have a great day, Chris. You as well. Take care. Bye. Bye. There we have it. Another great episode. Thanks for listening in. If you want to continue the conversation, go to icdiscshow.com. That's ic-d-i-s-c-s-h-o-w.com. And we have additional information on the podcast, archived episodes, as well as a button to be a guest. So if you'd like to be a guest, go select that and fill out the information and we'd love to have you on the show. So that's it. We'll be back next time with another episode of the IC Disc Show.